0: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon
1: and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to start out by taking a look at the week in headlines, and then we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news with James Blend. If you're in the Seattle area, that will be our sign-off for you. But in the Portland area, the Christian Outlook will follow. Well, first, the headlines Uh, again from this past week. Democrats are reportedly bringing Hillary Clinton in as a reinforcement to help President Biden with his 2024 reelection campaign. NBC News reported the former Secretary of State, who lost to Donald Trump last time around, held a fundraiser for the president last month at her Georgetown home. She raised close to a million dollars. Her popularity with some women and key parts of the party, uh, their base, are considered assets to the uh, the president as he attempts to expand his outreach to voters. Uh, her role in Biden's reelection effort is expected to grow as the 2024 presidential election nears, according to NBC. Well, the Biden administration is sending California more than three billion dollars in federal taxpayer funds for the state's high speed rail project, which was first approved 15 years ago and has been in progress ever since. It's faced unprecedented delays and been dramatically downsized. The White House announced the $3.07 billion in additional federal funding for the California inaugural high-speed rail service project as part of a broader announcement on Friday, unveiling a total of $8.2 billion in new passenger rail corridors nationwide. The project, which has ballooned $80 billion over budget since it was first approved back in 2008, when voters approved it, has been championed by the governor, Gavin Newsom, and former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, saying that uh, California is delivering on uh, the first 220-mile-per-hour electric high-speed rail project in the nation. Of course, we're far from an actual rail uh, moving forward, but at least it sounds good and there's more money to be blown on the project. Well, Saturday Night Live mocked Representative Elise Stefanik while portraying the three university presidents as rational. And there was a significant backlash uh, following uh, that upheaval that didn't sit well with many, uh, many folks uh, watching the program. SNL decided that Elise Stefanik was the one who embarrassed herself. Clearly, they didn't watch the actual hearing and the backlash has been quite clear on that on that point. In other news, uh, headlines from the weekend, Hamas soldiers surrendered to IDF, stating that Hamas leaders are out of touch. And Iran proxies attacked the U.S. embassy in Baghdad. The president uh, did nothing again, and many are concerned about whether or not this is simply an invitation for further escalation. The United States stopped a U.N. resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza this past week. The um, United States vetoed a United Nations resolution backed by almost all other Security Council members and many other nations demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, where Palestinian civilians are facing what the U.N. is calling a humanitarian nightmare. U.S. Deputy Ambassador Robert Wood criticized the council after the vote for its failure to condemn Hamas's October 7th massacres in Israel in which thousands of terrorists killed About 1,200 people, mostly civilians. And Holocaust denial is growing among young people. John Adams once said that our Constitution is suitable only for a moral and religious people. That's a direct quote. He might have um, added a historically literate people, but perhaps that went without saying. Today, however, an alarmingly large sh- share of young people are deeply misinformed about one of the most consequential events of the 20th century. The Nazi systematized effort to eradicate the Jews of Europe. According to an economist YouTube poll, 20 percent of Americans aged 18 to 29 agree with the statement. The Holocaust is a myth. While 30 percent neither agreed nor disagreed with that statement, most troubling of all is that 43 percent, only 43 percent of that age group strongly disagreed and accept the notion that the Holocaust did, in fact, occur. The Supreme Court has uh, indicated that it will Expedite consideration of a petition by special counsel Jack Smith on whether former president Donald Trump can be prosecuted on charges he plotted to overturn the 2020 election results. Smith made his request for the court to act with unusual speed to prevent any delays that could push back the trial until after next year's presidential election. The former president's trial in the election interference case is set to begin in March. The court has asked Trump's lawyers to respond to the special counsel's motion by yesterday. Um, or rather, Wednesday, December twentieth, let me get that right two days later than Smith had requested the court's next scheduled conference day will be um, for that consideration will be January fifth. The court's brief order did um, uh, did not signal what it ultimately would do. A federal judge ruled in the case uh, it could go forward, but Trump said that he would ask the federal appeals court in Washington to reverse that outcome. Smith is attempting to bypass the appeals court, the usual next step in the process, and have the Supreme Court take up the matter to avoid any future delays. We learned this week that minerals produced from artisanal African mines that may employ child labor continue to be used in base components of batteries, including those potentially used in electric vehicles. The American Energy Institute and the Energy Environmental Legal Institute along with the Competitive Enterprise Institute, the Heartland Institute, the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, and the International Climate Science Coalition and Truth in Energy and Climate, jointly assembled the report, which draws from existing studies and establishes that child labor likely continues to fuel EV production worldwide. The research argues that rechargeable lithium-ion batteries, which are by far the most Prevalent type of batteries installed in EVs are particularly dependent on cobalt. The world's largest established cobalt reserves and production, however, exist in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, an African nation with a checkered human rights uh, record. There is no such thing as a clean supply chain to cobalt from the Congo. All is tainted by various degrees of abuse, including slavery, child labor, forced labor, debt bondage, human trafficking, hazardous and toxic working conditions, low wages, injury and death, and incalculable environmental harm, the report states. Overall, in 2022, the DRC, it produced nearly 70 percent of the world's cobalt and is home to nearly half of known global reserves of the mineral. That's according to U.S. Geological Survey data. Separate data analyzed by the International Energy Agency indicates that Greater than 70 percent of cobalt production is sourced from the DRC. And while it remains unclear exactly how many of the mines are artisanal and employ child laborers, the reports uh, Tuesday highlights organization of uh, economic cooperation and development data showing the majority of cobalt production in the DRC is connected with child labor. The USGS National Minerals Information Center study it published in June established that up to 11 percent of cobalt produced in the nation is tied to child labor. The Department of Labor uh, Labor's Bureau of International Labor Affairs concluded that more than 40,000 children, including children as young as six years old, work in cobalt mines in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Something to think about as we are moving away from fossil fuels and toward EVs. Palestinian protesters stormed and trashed the heart atrium of the Senate building. A group of protesters read those who are demanding a ceasefire that would benefit Hamas and give the Iran-backed terrorists a chance to survive the To launch more October 7th level attacks on innocent Israelis occupied the atrium of the Hart Senate office building just steps from the U.S. Capitol on Monday morning. Their tantrum, it uh, caused authorities to close the building to the public, allowing only senators and staff to enter the building. Uh, The uh, Capitol Police and Senate uh, faculty staff upheld professionalism in the midst of the uh, uh, protests, said uh, Senator Tom Tillis saying that anti-Israel protesters made a mess of the Senate. I'm sure they'll have a change of heart and minds or or that they'll have an impact on hearts and minds by uh, making hardworking Senate custodial workers spend their entire day cleaning up the mess they created. Of course, that was tongue in cheek. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. On this Friday edition, we're taking a look at the week in headlines. We'll continue in our next segment and then we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. That also coming up later this hour.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show as we take a look at the week in headlines. Well, Donald Trump records the highest level of support in history ahead of the Iowa caucuses. The former president has expanded his lead over the GOP rivals with five weeks until the first Republican presidential nominating contest, now earning 51 percent first choice support from likely Iowa caucus goers. His lead, the largest recorded so close to a competitive Republican uh, caucus in this uh, Iowa polls history, is fueled by majorities of evangelical and first time likely caucus goers, as well as by nearly three quarters of Republicans who believe Trump can defeat President Joe Biden next year, despite the legal challenges the former president faces. And over 17,000 people attended Pastor Michael Yosef's event in Cairo, Egypt, leading to thousands of of conversions. The Christian Post reported that despite severe restrictions surrounding Christianity and ongoing unrest in the Middle East, an evangelistic event in Cairo, Egypt, led by Michael Yosef, saw an unexpected attendance of over 17,000 people, evidence, he said, that amid the darkness, the gospel shines brightest. The 75-year-old pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia, revealed that the November event saw an unexpected attendance of 17,715 people, far exceeding the initial expectation of 6,000. Of those, more than 7,800 put their faith in Christ. The event's scale was unprecedented considering the legal restrictions on evangelistic outreach in Egypt. We saw really what God has done, he said, He also serves as executive president of Leading the Way, referring to uh, Michael Yosef. Uh, He said local churches doubled attendance after the event and hopes to continue that trend. So those who attended the event, many attended church as well. President Biden hosted Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Wednesday of this week, calling on Congress for the $61 billion more he has promised. Well, the Ukrainian president had a tough task before him. The American people are largely sympathetic toward his country's ongoing war with Russia, but they're largely sick of funding it. And they're especially sick of funding Ukraine's teachers and professors. The $61 billion the president wants to give Zelensky as part of a $110 billion package that would include aid to Israel as well as funding for securing our southern border. And it would come on top of the $113 billion that Congress has already committed. That was back in January, money which uh, Team Biden says has nearly run out. Frustration abounds as Florida, Florida Republican Congressman and former Green Beret Michael Waltz um, trenchantly observes Biden has essentially slow walked us, backpedaled us, incrementally provided Zelensky just enough to keep from losing, but not enough to help him win. He added, how can we in good conscience go home to our constituents Tell them that they need to dig deeper in their pockets for tens of billions of dollars more. When you have no strategy, we're stuck in a stalemate and our own border is out of control. Well, that's the question that Republicans want answered before considering additional funding in Ukraine. Earlier this year, the Pentagon reported the uh, leaking of a trove of sensitive and highly classified materials by a member of the U.S. military. The leaker was quickly identified as a 21-year-old Jack Texera a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard. Texera leaked the highly classified material via the online platform Discord. He pled not guilty and is currently awaiting trial. That said, the Air Force has now disciplined 15 airmen in connection with that incident over their failure to take the proper action when alerted to the leak. All 15 have been removed from their command positions, and they received non-judicial administrative punishments. Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall explained... Every airman is entrusted with a solemn duty to safeguard our nation's classified defense information. When there is a breach and that uh, sacred trust, a breach of that sacred uh, trust, uh, for any reason, we will act in accordance with our laws and policies to hold responsible individuals accountable. Hence, 15 airmen um, have been taken into uh, custody and disciplined over that incident. Well, low-cost carrier Southwest Airlines is being celebrated by passengers of size. Um, They disclose that they can request complimentary seats, one or two, depending on needs, to accommodate their girth. Customers whose bodies encroach past the armrest are entitled to an extra seat, according to Southwest's inclusion policy. They are currently one of the few, if not the only, airlines to offer free seats to larger passengers. Southwest provided its policy... Uh, which it said um, that passengers of size have the option of purchasing just one seat and then discussing your seating needs with a customer service agent at the departure gate. They can also purchase an appropriate number of seats and uh, be reimbursed after uh, after the flight. Harvard President Claudine Gay is off the hook for everything we learned this week. The Harvard president will keep her job after disastrous and discriminatory testimony to Congress last week. Uh, Gay also won't be punished for rampant plagiarism found by reporters and is asking for corrections. The Harvard Corporation, uh, in this tumultuous and difficult time, we unanimously stand in support of President Gay. There have been uh, absolutely no updates to Harvard's code of conduct to condemn the calls for genocide of Jews and protect Jewish students on campus, however. The only update to Harvard's code of conduct is to allow plagiarists as president. By the way, that code of conduct specifically uh, calls uh, plagiarism a disqualifying offense. The U.N. General Assembly has demanded a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza despite U.S. efforts. The General Assembly overwhelmingly passed a non-binding resolution demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire there. A call the Paralyzed Security Council has has so far failed to make. The body, which includes all 193 UN member nations, votes 153 in favor of the resolution, exceeding the 140 or so countries that have routinely backed resolutions condemning Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. Ten countries, including the United States and Israel, voted against, while 23 abstained. The U.S. uh, vetoed a similar resolution in the Security Council last week. Yemen's Houthi movement said on Tuesday they struck a Norwegian oil and chemical tanker with a rocket in its latest operation to target uh, ships and crews um, in a protest against Israel's bombardment of Gaza. Houthi military spokesman uh, said that in a televised statement vowing that the um, uh, practice would continue until the war is over. Houthis would continue blocking ships heading to Israel ports until Israel allows the entry of food and medical aid into Gaza more than 1,000 miles from the Houthi seat of power in Sana'a. House Republicans are teeing up a vote as early as Wednesday to formalize their ongoing impeachment inquiry, and we saw that concluded yesterday. They have, in fact, decided we will, the uh, formally moving forward with an impeachment inquiry of the president, that will allow them to have greater authority to collect information they say the administration has been stonewalling. And last year, a pro-life center in Madison, Wisconsin, was firebombed by a member of the militant pro-abortion group Jane's Revenge. DNA evidence at the scene led to the arrest of a 29-year-old biochemist by the name of, well, I can't pronounce the name, who eventually pled guilty to the crime. Uh, He or she is now facing a minimum of five years to a maximum of 20 years in prison. We'll see what actually happens. Um, He is set to be sentenced in February uh, should be classified as a domestic terrorist since the Department of Justice National Security head, Matthew Olin, observed that he had used an incendiary device in violation of federal law in connection with his effort to terrorize and intimidate a private organization. We'll see, however, what actually happens. We also learned this week that one in 5 male mail-in voters admitted they cheated in the 2020 election in various ways. First Lady Jill Biden was blasted On Wednesday night, after posting a video on X showing dancers tapping around the holiday decorations at the White House, whose theme this year is magic, wonder and joy. Well, in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, the first lady shared the video from the official Flotus account, along with the caption, a bit of magic, wonder and joy brought to you by the talented tappers of Dorrance Dance, performing their playful interpretation of the Nutcracker Suite. Well, I watched it. I didn't really see Nutcracker Sweet, but enjoy, she went on to say. Uh, But social media observers didn't seem to be enjoying the musical content. The United States of bananas, one viewer posted. Imagine thinking this uh, gives America the Christmas spirit, another wrote. You are so strange, bizarre, freaky, one said. One comment even shared former First Lady Melania Trump's video when Donald Trump was in office saying how it was tasteful and seasonal and appealed to everyone was absolutely breathtaking and gorgeous, unlike Biden's, which they said was utterly tacky, tasteless and anti-Christmas, end quote. Well, the video was um, filled with smiling dancers in brightly colored costumes, prancing and tapping all over the White House. But Many viewers describe the video as nothing remotely close to a Christmas theme. And while some of the costumes did say, oh, OK, I get that's sort of Christmassy overall, eh, not so much. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to uh, take a look at the lighter side of the news in just a few moments, so do stay with us.
0: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey,
1: welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a Friday afternoon. Well, we're switching gears here. We're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news, beginning with a um, new tradition apparently, a Yuletide Owl. Okay, let me explain. A let's say it right, yuletide owl was found roosting in a Kentucky family's Christmas tree. Who? A yuletide owl. Who? A yuletide owl. Who? A yuletide Okay, never mind. The interesting thing to me is how do you bring an, a tree into your home with an owl in it and you only discover it later? Who? Yeah. A Kentucky family's Christmas tree was inside their home for four days before it was discovered to be home to a young owl. The Lexington family said the owl somehow managed to remain undetected in the tree for four days by simply blending in with the branches. Now they're decorating the tree, they're lighting it up, and the owl's just hanging.
2: Kinda I like had that possum last week.
1: Apparently so. I have three dogs, said one of the homeowners. We use this room nonstop. Watch TV, the kitchen's right here, no indication. Uh, the owner of Magic Carpet Cleaning was servicing the uh, home while the family was away when he noticed the branches were moving. A closer examination revealed an owl moving through the tree. It crawled up into um, the uh, further reaches of the tree, closer closer to the trunk. It took me several minutes to even find it, he said. Well, he was able to grab the owl and send a picture to the family. I was shocked and stunned, said one of the uh, homeowners. She said she initially thought Hayes was pranking her with a stuffed animal. White said it was lucky for her that Hayes was the one that found the owl and removed it from the home. I would have left the house, she said, as would I. Uh, The owl couldn't stay without me. Couldn't have stayed without me. I wasn't coming home, White said. Well, owls have been found in Christmas trees before, including a small owl famously discovered in the Rockefeller Christmas tree in New York in 2020. Now, that's not so surprising. It's a huge tree. A Texas woman made perhaps an even more shocking discovery last week when she found the branches of her tree with an opossum, as you uh, reminded us, um,
2: in her tree. So now, now, there is an advantage, at least, to having an uh, owl in your tree as opposed to a possum. And that would be? Being able to find out how many licks it takes to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Roll pop. Moving on. Do you not remember that commercial? I
1: remember it very I was well. going to say.
2: How could you not?
1: Yes, I remember it. It's just. We'll move on. Well, Napoleon's actual hat sold for a record 1.9 million euros in uh, French auction. A hat belonging to Napoleon Bonaparte when he was French emperor sold for a record of nearly 2 million euros at a French auction on Sunday, the auction house said. It went for 1.932 million euros, that's about 2.1 million dollars, breaking the previous record for a Napoleonic hat held by the same auction house of 1.884 million euros in 2014. Well, the hat known as a Bicorn, or something very like that, breaking the previous record is a is in napoleon 's trademark colors, black with the French flag's colors, blue, white, red, as in the insignia and attached collectors, attracted collectors, rather, from the world over, auctioneers said, declining to give the identity or nationality of the eventual buyer. It was last owned by businessman Jean-Louis Something French, who died last year. Well, the final price was more than double the estimated 600 to 800,000 euros, and nearly four times the reserve price, the auction house based in uh, Fontainebleau, South of Paris, did you, did you notice the blue? That was that was very Parisian. That was very French. The blue.
2: I was impressed.
1: Yes, thank you. Well, Napoleon, Napoleon is believed to have owned around 120 such hats, so they're not so rare. Uh, most of which are now lost, waiting to be found. The hat in itself represented the emperor's image. Auction house experts say Napoleon wore this particular hat. Towards the middle of his time as emperor, which lasted from 19, from rather 1808 to 1815, according to the auction house. Unlike most other people at the time, Napoleon wore his hat sideways, which gave him a distinct silhouette, easily recognized by troops in battle, including the enemy. Napoleon rose to prominence during the French Revolution, becoming a key figure in the Revolutionary Wars. He served the Republic as First consul and had himself crowned as emperor in 1804. He was exiled in 1815 after losing the battle against the British and Prussian forces at Waterloo. He died in 1821 on the island of St. Helena in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, Sunday's hat sale comes only days before a biopic on Napoleon reaches cinemas worldwide. The film by Ridley Scott features massive scale battles across Europe, but also portrays his complex relationship with his wife, Josephine um Joaquin Phoenix who plays Napoleon in the movie said of the late emperor that he was socially awkward but also a romantic because he would know of course they must uh, have hung out my understanding is it's very critical of France and so the French are not very keen on the movie
2: you know a couple of years ago I I bought a, a Napoleon hat as well yeah it was only like 10 bucks I thought I got a pretty good deal until it arrived and I realized it was a Napoleon Dynamite hat. <laughs> Whoops.
1: Well, these things happen.
2: Yeah, they do. Oh, <laughs> 10, and, and you pay $10
1: for it anyway. <laughs> well, a menu signed by Mao Zedong brought a quarter of a million dollars at auction. An official menu for a state banquet that bears the signature of the former Chinese leader has been auctioned for $275,000, the Boston-based RR Auctions said the menu auctioned on Wednesday was for a banquet held in Beijing on the 19th of October 1956 and commemorated the first state visit by uh, to China by Pakistan's prime minister. Uh, the menu was uh, signed in fountain pen by six influential Chinese statesmen, including Mao and Premier Zhao Inlai. Uh, the banquet featured foods from both nations and included delicacies such as consomme of swallow nest and white agar, shark fin in brown sauce, and roast Peking duck. Sorry, I missed it. To hold a menu signed by Mao Zedong and Zhao Inlai is uh, to hold a piece of the past, a piece that tells a story of diplomatic engagement, cultural exchange, and the forging of friendships that have endured through the decades. Bobby Livingston, executive vice president of r and Auction said in a statement. Other items auctioned off included a fully operational World War II-era um, Enigma coding machine. That went for $206,253. A Thomas Edison signed document for a light bulb patent for 22154 And a check signed by Steve Jobs for Radio Shack. That sold for $46,063. Uh, $46, well, the check dated... Um, July twenty third, nineteen seventy six, is payable to Radio Shack for a whopping four dollars and one cent. Was signed by Jobs the same year he and Steve Wozniak uh, launched Apple in a Silicon Valley garage. Uh, no mention of the um, Napoleon Dynamite uh, paraphernalia.
2: Well, the, the, you know, the question here is: was, was I think knowing that Steve Jobs was a was a Radio Shack shopper, we, we, we have to wonder: Did he belong to the Battery of the Month Club? It's a good question. These are the things that people demand answers to. It
1: bears investigation.
2: It does. It also bears taking a break. Does it? We can ponder it over that break. I will. You should. You're listening to the
0: Georgine Rice show. We're going to ponder. You're listening to the Georgine Rice show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
1: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice show. James Blend has joined me as we work our way through some of the weird news stories of the week.
2: Uh, you're lucky I was able to join you today. Yeah. Yeah, I've been busy all day rewatching and watching that uh, White House Christmas video. Oh, my. Have it's, you seen it's it? It's transfixing.
1: Yeah, it's something. Kind of like
2: a car wreck, you know, the whole train wreck, you know, all those type things. You want to look they away, you but you eat. just... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, an Oregon shelter is auctioning off a rare discovery from its donation bin, a pair of gold Air Jordan 3 sneakers commissioned by Spike Lee and valued at more than $10,000. I heard about this. Yeah. Sotheby's auction house said a participant in the transitional shelter program at the Burnside uh, shelter, <coughs> excuse me, operated by the Portland Rescue Mission, good for them, was sorting through donations earlier this year when he found the gold shoes at the bottom of the bin. Tinker Hatfield, designer of the Air Jordan 3 sneaker, paid a visit to the shelter to examine the shoes, and he confirmed they were a custom pair of Air Jordan 3 shoes commissioned by Spike Lee to wear to the Academy Awards. In 2019, well, Hatfield provided the shelter with a replacement box and a framed and signed designer, a design proof. The shoes valued at more than ten thousand dollars are being auctioned by Sotheby's with 100 percent of the hammer price going to the Portland Rescue Mission. So, again, good for them. They're expected to fetch up to twenty thousand dollars bidding That's on the shoes. shoes. Yeah, bidding on the shoes is open through December 18th in case you want to put a bid in, James. It was unclear how the shoes came to be in the doma- donation bin, but there they were. Pretty cool.
2: Pretty cool indeed, and uh, certainly at this time of year especially, uh, a worthy recipient.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, we have uh, often focused on odd and weird news and Guinness World Records, well I found in a list, um, it's called the Odd 2023, the 10 Oddest Guinness World Records of the Year. Now, some of the stuff we've talked about, you couldn't imagine being much odder than that. But Guinness World Records maintains a database of more than 40,000 records. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that the titles can veer quite a bit further into the realm of the odd than the world's largest grilled cheese sandwich. In keeping with the tradition, stretching all the way back to, well, last year, uh, we've scoured UPI Odd News, uh, their headlines, to bring the 10 oddest Guinness World Records for 2023. How odd. Most skips by a cat in one minute. A talented tabby hailing from Missouri vaulted over a uh, jump rope nine times in one minute to break the record for most skips by a cat in one minute. The owner said she and the 13-year-old Kit Kat Had been practicing jump rope uh, routines since the cat was only six months old, and the skill has led to an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, a social media ad campaign for Friskies.
2: All righty, then.
1: Yeah. Then there's the loudest burp in the female category. A Maryland woman, um, Kimberly or Kimmy Cola Winter, belted out a belch that was measured at 107 decibels, about as loud as a motorcycle at full throttle. I can't even imagine. Winter told Guinness World Records she had coffee and other beverages with her breakfast on the days she attempted to ensure maximum volume for her gargantuan release, which was just short of the 112.7 decibel male version of the record.
2: Wow, that's that's a loud.
1: Yeah, that's very loud. I'm not sure I would want anyone to know about it, but there you go where they go. Then there's the longest distance full body burn run without oxygen
2: without oxygen.
1: A French firefighter, uh, 39, he donned a protective suit and was set ablaze on a track um, in Hauborden for eight hundred and ninety three foot run that earned him the record for the longest distance full body burn run without oxygen. He completed the first 328 feet in a time of 17 seconds, which earned him a second title for the fastest body run burn 100 meter sprint without oxygen.
2: Basically, we're looking at three football fields on fire without oxygen. Running. Running. Well, I I don't think I'd be walking. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's this, the longest
1: tongue on a dog. Rocky is a nine-year-old boxer from Bloomington, Illinois, had his tongue measured 5.46 inches from the tip of his snout to the tip of his tongue. The canine's lengthy mouth muscle took the record for longest tongue on a living dog from Zoe, a Labrador German shepherd mix whose five inch tongue had earned her the title earlier in the same month. Then there's the most spoons balanced on the body. An Iranian uh, bested his own previous title when he managed to balance 88 spoons in various locations around his body. Uh, he previously set the record at 85 spoons, he told GWR officials, Guinness World Records. He first started sticking objects on his skin when he was a child, and he has now developed the scale to where he can use his natural adhesive properties to <laughs> lift an entire adult person off the ground.
2: In the new year, he plans to find a friend.
1: Yeah. Most magic tricks underwater in three minutes. Avery Emerson Fisher is 13. He combined his interests in scuba and stage magic to perform 38 tricks in one minute while submerged in a tank at the aquarium at the bay in San Francisco. Fisher, who holds 12 scuba diving certificates and has been on more than 30 ocean dives, said she hopes her record will inspire others to take up scuba diving and raise awareness of ocean conservation.
2: I'm just glad somebody finally passed David Copperfish.
1: Most people eating a single piece of spaghetti simultaneously.
2: That's a disturbing image.
1: Yeah. It's a German restaurant group gathered 465 couples at the some airport hangar in Berlin to perform a simultaneous Italian kiss, which involves two people sharing a single strand of spaghetti and locking lips when they meet in the middle. The restaurant group initially set the Lady and the Tramp-inspired record in two, uh, 2020 and decided to take it back when they were bested by a group of 433 couples. Then there's this. Okay. The fastest time to assemble Mr. Potato Head, blindfolded. Andre Ortloff, a serial world record breaker with more than 100 titles to his name, donned a blindfold and started with a fully disassembled Mr. Potato Head toy. Ortloff added the feet, the arms, the face, the hat to the plastic spud in 12.11 seconds, earning the record for the fastest time to assemble Mr. Potato Head blindfolded. But wait, there's more. Longest mustache on a living person, male. Well, yeah.
2: I was going to say, what, what, yeah. I want to know the winner in the female category far more than I'm interested in the male. Yeah, no honest. doubt
1: there probably is one. Paul Slosser of Somerville, South Carolina, had the length of his 2-foot-2-inch two two whiskers officially verified at the National Beard and Mustache Championship in Casper, Wyoming, earning him the GWR title. Slosser Sports and English-Style Mustache. Uh, Defined by the World Beard and Mustache Championships as slender, beginning from the middle of the upper lip, with the hairs uh, extremely long and pulled to the side. Tips may be lifted slightly. I have no idea what that looks like, but he's the record holder. And last but not least, the fastest five meter on a scooter by a parrot. A speed demon cockatoo named Chico made an appearance on Italian TV show low Show's D Record or something like that, and rode his bird-sized scooter a distance of 16.4 feet and 14.58 seconds to break his own previous record of 17.79 seconds, which was set just days earlier. Bulgarian man something, a professional parrot breeder and trainer, said that he had uh, Chico since the Avion was only... Um, Three months old, and the bird showed an early aptitude for learning tricks and performing them for crowds.
2: And he, too, in the new year, plans to find a friend.
1: <laughs> oh, but these uh, these next couple aren't on that list, but they're pretty bizarre and they're current. Okay. An Alberto cyclist took a nearly 81-mile ride on his bike without using his hands to break a Guinness World Record.
2: What? Okay.
1: Guinness World Records announced Robert Murray earned the title for greatest distance cycled, no hands, when he rode 80.95 miles in a time of 5 hours and 37 minutes. No hands. Murray said he used his hands to massage his legs when he felt uh, fell asleep during the record attempt using no hands. The cyclist said... He's um, had a lot of practice riding without using the handlebars. Personally, I find it to be more comfortable position to be in rather than hunched over. I can text, I can change the song, get anything out of my backpack, all while riding my bike. It's like second nature to me. His record attempt served as a fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Society in
2: Calgary. Okay, I can see some of, the, uh, but it seems like, okay, texting while riding a bicycle, dangerous. Riding a bicycle without hands, kind of dangerous. Doing the two of them together, uh, I'm going to go with the, the, the I think stupid is the only word I can come up with. Certainly ill-advised. Yes, very ill-advised, especially in public. Although I would guess you'd have to be on very straight roads to pull this yeah, off. Yeah,
1: very straight and also very smooth. Well, an Idaho dad of quintuplets broke a Guinness World Record by pushing a stroller with five children inside the distance of one kilometer in five minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, he took the uh, to the track at the Eagle High School. He pushed the quadruple stroller carrying his children, eight year old, seven year old, five year old and. Uh, oh, a couple of five year olds uh, and broke the record. The other five uh, five year olds cheered him on from the sidelines with their mother. Again, another record-breaking
2: effort. Well, you, you know, it also is a record-breaking effort. Today's show. Yes. it is the holds the record for the final Friday fun of 2023.
1: The final Friday fun of 2023. Yep. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Absolutely. <laughs> well, we are out of time. For those of you in Seattle, have a great weekend. And uh, we hope to see you back here on Monday. For the rest of you, well... We'll be back with The Christian Outlook here in Portland.
0: Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com. And like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.